Well, good morning, you all. Good morning, church, saints, beloved. You guys doing okay? Okay, we're going to jump into it this morning. Um, if you want to go, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. So a couple of Sundays ago was Resurrection Sunday. We celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. And last Sunday, we baptized around 30, a little over 30 people. <clears throat> It was a really powerful time together. I was really stirred afterward, and um, this message I'm going to share today, it's going to do hopefully a lot of stirring in your hearts as well, but after baptizing, um, helping participate to baptize 30 people, um, it really put a hunger in me for, the, for more. For those who came to that meeting, I said, hey, hopefully this is not the last time we're in that, that building over there baptizing people. I want us to see, a, a, I want us to be a, a body of believers who all participate in the things of God, who are out doing His will and doing what He wants. And so when you look in Scripture, though, we, the resurrection of Jesus was a couple of weeks ago. The disciples were in this 40-day waiting period, right? They're waiting for something specifically. They're waiting because Jesus told them to wait. And so I want to preach a message called Preparing for the Promise, colon, Holy Spirit Power. The disciples were waiting for the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit and power. So my goal is to maybe help set us on a path for even this whole month that we would set apart ourselves in preparing for the Holy Spirit to visit us, to come upon us afresh in power. That we wouldn't just be a nice, friendly community, although that's great. There would be more to this church than that. And that the power of God would not just be for those on stage, but the power of God would be for those who believe in the name of Jesus. Let's pray before we dive in. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your presence. And Lord, I pray and ask this morning there would be a demonstration of your power and the Holy Spirit. God, that you would have your way in this people. That you would have your way in my heart. That Lord, by your word, you would stir us, you would provoke us, you would call us higher. Lord, would you release the more into this body? Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you help us to seek you? Would you help us to know you? In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 1. So Jesus told them to wait, to go to Jerusalem and to wait. And in verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everyone say wait. wait. For the promise of the Father. Everyone say promise of the Father. Which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water. But you, me, we shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit 
not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, don't worry about that. Worry about this, verse 8. But you shall receive, say this word with me, power. That wasn't convincing. Say it with me again, power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, before he gets going, it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, and he returned in what? In the power of the Holy Spirit. And you look at his ministry, look at all the good that he did. He operated under the power of the Holy Spirit. That, the life of Jesus is a picture of what our lives should look like. You look at the disciples. He said to them in the Gospels, he said, I give you authority to trample on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Jesus is telling you and me today, I've given you power over all the enemy. Paul describes his ministry and says, my, preach, my preaching and my speech were not with persuasive words or of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and what? Power. So that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And he goes on to say in Thessalonians, our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. As I'm reading the New Testament this week and, and seeing this word power jumping out all over the place, it's in there over 210 times in the New Testament, and then I begin to look at my life, I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I would use that word to describe my life in ministry in the Spirit. Would you use that word? to describe your ministry in the Spirit. Power. Holy Spirit power in your life. Is that the word you would use to describe yourself in God? Even as a church, outside looking in, would they look inside Hadafim and say, man, the power of God is in that place. Not just good, nice meetings, but we're talking power from another world. The power of God in our midst. Would we use that to describe Hadafim? Would you use that to describe your own life? I've been asking myself, would I use that word to describe my life? Jesus intended for his early church to walk in Holy Spirit power in order to confirm not only the message they preached, but the reality that Jesus Christ is and always will be far above all other principalities and powers. That all things that are under his feet and that he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. If the early church did not walk in this power, then why would anyone believe the message that Jesus Christ is Lord? If Jesus is Lord, then let him prove it, the critics would say. 
But in the book of Acts, no one dared to challenge the disciples to prove it because the challenger would have been put to shame by the power of the Spirit they displayed. But for the church of today, what is our response as Spirit-empowered believers to a world that's challenging us? There was an open challenge from the world pointing at the church, saying, show me what you got. And they're looking at us and they say, yeah, you got nice services. You got nice buildings. You got nice people. You got eloquent speech. You know, intellectualism. You guys got some fancy talk and can talk Hebrew, Greek stuff a little bit. You know, you guys know some historical facts about Jesus. You can kind of, you know, prove that he's real historically and all that stuff. You guys are good neighbors. You're good people to be around. You guys carry good morals. But would they actually say that you guys, the power of God is in that place? I had a a friend of mine, not even a believer. He was checking out some churches and he, he went to a church over in the celebration area, and he had been going for a period of time and thought, like, this is a good church, you know, I'll, I'll check it out. And like I said, he's not saved. And eventually it comes, comes to the forefront that the pastor had been misappropriating funds and doing some other things that were not okay. And he was telling me the story, and his response, Part of his thought process was, why would I go to a church where I feel like I'm more godly than the leaders? And he, my buddy, well, he's not saved. And he's like, so I left that church. He felt like, as a non-believer, he was more godly than the people that were there. You know, Paul talks to Timothy about people who have a form of godliness but deny the power of God. You know what he says the next sentence? And stay away from such people. They look godly. They have a form of it. But there's no power in their life. Paul literally tells us, you and I, stay away from those people. So if I were to look in your life and I don't see the power of God working in you and through you, that's somewhat revealing. If you were to look into my life and I had this form of godliness and I look cool and I say nice things and I'm proper and, you know, got my outfit on and, you know, look nice Sunday morning, you know, but you can't see the power of God in my life. The Bible says stay away. For the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. It's 1 Corinthians 4. Turn over to me to Acts chapter 4. I don't intend for my message today to be a beat down towards us. I'm, I'm really challenging myself today, family. I'm challenging myself, therefore, I think I have permission to challenge you. 
I want to see the power of God move through my life in a greater measure. I want to see the power of God move in a greater measure in this body. But we're going to have to press in. We're going to have to push through some things. We're going to need to look at the book of Acts. So look at chapter 4. Leading up to this chapter, Peter and John. There was a man who was crippled from birth towards the end of chapter 2. Or sorry, in chapter 3. He was sitting outside the temple. He's asking for money. And Peter and John said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. Rise and walk in the name of Jesus. And he gets up and he walks. And they go in the temple and they begin to preach the word. Then all of a sudden the religious leaders come into play. And they arrest John and Peter because of their preaching. And then look at verse 7. It says, and when they had set them the religious leaders had set the disciples in the midst. They asked them, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to, help, done to a helpless man, by what means has he been made well? Notice the disciples said, healing someone, delivering them is simply a good deed. Verse 10, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13. Now when they had saw the boldness of Peter and John, take note in your mind, boldness, and perceived that they were untrained, uneducated men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Verse 14, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. When the religious leaders saw the power of God, they had nothing to say. They could not speak against it. It was obvious. It was evident. The man standing right there that had to be the power of God, they could not say anything against him. I begin to think why the world has so much to say about the church. Maybe if they saw a demonstration of power, they would have nothing to say. Verse 15, but when they commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, what shall we do to these men for indeed that a a remarkable sign or a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Because the obvious power of God was working through the early church, the outside world could not say anything against nor deny the power of God. Think about that. They're looking from the outside in, And they can't deny it. They have nothing to say against it. They're marveling. They're in wonder at the power of God. 
Sometimes we can be known for our love and our truth that we carry as a body, but one of the, the distinguishing marks of the early church was actually power. It wasn't just love and truth, although that's essential. There was the real tangible power of God. Flip over the next chapter. They keep going. Chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. We're all familiar with it. They lied to the Holy Spirit about their money. They didn't give what they said they would. Ananias is struck dead first. And it says fear came over everyone. His wife comes back. She lies too. She's struck dead. Pick up at verse 11. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Now these next two verses, what's interesting, I was looking at some different translations on how these next two verses read. And the Passion Translation, they actually had a side comment. And they said that these two next verses are actually confusing. Go look, look at it for yourself. Let's read it. Yet none of the rest, talking about non-believers, dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of them, both men and women. So what happened? Did people? It says, none of them dared to join them, but they esteemed them highly. But then on the other end, People were added to the church at an increasing number. Which one was it? It was both. No one dared to join them. Many were added to the church. If the first century church world did not respect the church for the love that they showed and the truth they possessed, they surely respected, they feared, they highly esteemed the church for the power they demonstrated. A distinguishing mark of the early church was not only love the believers had or the truth they spoke, but also the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the power of the Spirit that believers demonstrated that in fact proved that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and was seated at the right hand of the Father. And if this distinguishing mark of power rested upon the early church, so it will be with the church in the last days. I believe with all of my heart that the Lord wants to endue us with the power of the Holy Spirit. We must begin to prepare for this. In preparing for the promise of the Holy Spirit, Paul actually helps us here. In Ephesians 3 and in Colossians 1, we don't have to go there, but he actually prays this same power, the word dudamis, over the church. In Ephesians 3, he says that God would grant you according to his riches and glory to be strengthened with power according to his spirit. In Colossians 1, he goes on to say that you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him bearing good fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God, and that you would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious power. So we're biblically, biblically we're supposed to be praying for the power of the Spirit in our lives. Here's what Rick Renner, 
he has a couple of books called Sparkling Gems, and he gets into some of the uh, uh, Greek words and how, the picture of them. And here's how he would describe. He's talking about the word strength and the word power, and there's a connection to these words in the Greek, but he also paints a beautiful picture of what they mean. But he says this, the word strength in the Greek is the word endunamu. It's a compound word of the word en, E-N, endunamis. The word en means into, such as placing water into a vessel. Endunamis means power. But more importantly is to note that Deuteronomy depicted the forces of an entire army. In fact, the Old Testament Septuagint, the word Deuteronomy was primarily used to picture the combined forces of a complete military. So when these words en and dunamis are compounded, the new word is endunamu. It pictures the power of a whole army being deposited into one person. Making this even more significant is the fact that Paul used it in the present active participle, which means he was declaring this type of power was presently acting in him and would continue to express itself through him. He was telling us that he was telling us that deposited into his spirit and at his disposal was the equivalent of an entire fighting army. Would we describe our life in God like that? Is the power of God flowing through you to such a degree, it feels like an entire army's in you trying to get out? For me, I, can't, I couldn't be honest with myself and say, yeah, Brent, I feel that. I struggle to feel that. I want that. Five indicators here. We're going to keep going. Five indicators that the power of, of the Spirit things and working in your life. I want these things, once again, not to condemn us, but maybe to help us see that we need the power of God afresh in our lives and in the church. The first indicator that the power of God is active, is working in your life. One, you live free from the power of sin. Most people think you see the power of God and you just start speaking in tongues. Yes, that's a part of it. But let's go a little further. The power of sin is broken off in your life. The sin cycles that you find yourself in. Have you tried the power of God? We can try counseling. We can try meeting. We can try all these things. When's the last time you prayed and you cried out for the power of God to break the cycle of sin in your life? You can call a friend. They can encourage you. They can help. All that stuff. We'll do. I do that stuff. We'll do it. We'll continue to do it. But when are we going to get on our knees and say, God, release the power of your spirit and break this sin out of my life? Have we forgotten about the power of God? We'll talk about it. We'll be intellectual about it. We'll say all these words about it. But what about the demonstration of it? 2 Peter 1.3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and for what? Godliness. If you want to live a godly life, begin to ask for the power of God. You can't live a godly life without God's power. You cannot. 
Romans 6, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. Do not present the members, your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Romans 8, 13, it says, but by the Spirit... Put to death the deeds of the body. When the world is looking at us and they're wondering, how do you guys not live in sin? Our answer should be the power of God. Absolute, the power of God. Yes, we disciple and we meet and we counsel and those things help. But it first starts, the power of God has been thrusted into my life. And the power of sin has been broken. And now I live to God as an instrument of righteousness. So when the power of the Spirit comes upon you, the power of sin is swallowed up and you become empowered to live righteously. Number two, the second indicator of the power of God is working in your life. We boldly witness to the world around us. When's the last time we shared the gospel with someone? When's the last time we did that? Because the power of God is not unto nothing. It's actually unto something. If we want the power of God and we're asking for the power of God, it's going to lead us into point number two, boldly witnessing. A step further not just when the time, when's the last time you shared the gospel, when's the last time you boldly shared the gospel? When's the last time the courage of the Lord came upon you to begin to share the word with someone? It's, it's like for me, most of the time I'm fighting just to even share it. But there's this reality in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit power came upon them, they didn't just share it, they did it boldly. There was a courage about them. There was something supernatural about them that it was evident. The religious leaders said, we saw their boldness. When's the last time you did that? Not just share the gospel, you did it boldly. To me, when I look at my life and I realize, oh, I'm not really doing that, that causes me to cry out, Lord, send your Holy Spirit afresh upon my life and in power. I don't want to be this mediocre, nice, kind of friendly, good Christian guy. I want to see your power working in my life. In Acts chapter 4, here, here's their prayer. Lord, look on their servants and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through your, through your name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. He's given you a spirit of power. 
Is that how you see yourself? I've been asking myself, this, this message today is pretty much a bunch of questions to help us to see where we're really at in the Lord. Would you look to find your walk with Jesus Monday through Friday? Boldness and power. Most of the time, it feels like we're just trying to get through the week, survive the day, and we barely make it in. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you for real, you just don't barely make it through. You're just not hanging on, hoping it hits 5 o'clock and you can be about your day. When the Holy Spirit is upon you, you are in a whole different world. Holy Spirit, come. Number three, the next indicator, the Holy Spirit is active and working in your life. We release healing and deliverance to those in need. The Holy Spirit, if he is alive and active in your life, it is most natural for healing and deliverance to go forth. The New Testament calls this good works, good deeds. That's what we just read a chapter ago. Where is it at? He said, yeah, if we this day are judged for a good deed. Think about us healing someone, healing the sick, casting out a demon. It doesn't call for you to be a specialized deliverance healing minister of the nations. It doesn't require you to have some title or some you know, in-depth background in all this type of training and equipping. It really doesn't. It falls under the category of a good deed, a good work. Very, very simple. But that's what happens when the power of the Holy Spirit is upon you. It's not really you anyways. I mean, are you, are you guys starting to see, or is it just me? We need the Holy Spirit afresh. Because this is not normal. And it's awkward. This should be normal. It was normal in the book of Acts. And what was the distinguishing mark? The Holy Spirit and power. That was it. Mark 16, Jesus says, and these signs will, not might or maybe or sometimes, he said these signs will follow you. He says, for those who believe these signs will follow, in my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up servants. And if they drink anything, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will get better. This wasn't optional. Is the Lord a liar? When's the last time we cast out a demon out of someone? When's the last time we healed someone? Heck, Josie woke up last night praying her ear was hurting. I'm praying the Lord would touch her ear. Guess what? Nothing happened. Now, do I condemn myself and say, Brandon, you suck and you're not? No, no. I'm crying out for the power of God. 
to where my kids are more familiar with his power than taking medicine. Medicine's great. I love it. We'll do it, whatever. But I'm sitting here questioning, asking myself, I'm about to preach a message on the power of God. My little girl has an earache and I can't do nothing about it. So when's the last time someone got healed through you laying hands on them? When's the last time the devil was cast out of someone through your hands? Once again, the normal Christian life, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that just happens. It should happen. Number four, the next indicator, the Spirit is operating and moving in your life. You frequently operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And yes, I said frequently. I was questioning whether to use that word frequently. Because that almost would feel like every day or this more times, more than just Sunday, like Lord, that's kind of a lot of pressure. But Hebrew, Hebrews 3 says, encourage one another daily. And the gift of prophecy, what is that about? Encouraging, edifying, and comforting. So what if the Holy Spirit came upon you, the gift of prophecy was so like, so active in your life that it was so natural for you to encourage people daily. You always had a word to say, to release to someone. 1 Peter says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 2 Corinthians talks about how we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellent of the power may be of God and not of us. The power of God is residing on the inside of you. It's not you, it is God. So when you don't feel like it, the power of God is still available. When you feel empty and you feel tired and you have nothing to offer, great. That means you're at the end of yourself and God can, can begin to move. I mean, do we, I know when I get tired, I, I might think, okay, if I'm tired, God's power is probably a little tired. No, when I'm tired, God's power is still available, is still on full throttle. Do we believe that? Do we live like that? So when's the last time, Brandon, when you came to a meeting or you saw a believer and you were prepared to minister under the gifts of the Holy Spirit because the power of God was resting upon you. When's the last time that happened? The power of God, we come together and meet, the power of God is so much on you that we just have so many lines up here. Everyone's saying, hey, I need to minister to someone. I got, I, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. Guys, that should be natural. That shouldn't be once a month. That should be natural. The fifth indicator that the Holy Spirit 
is working, is moving in you and through you, is that you or we, we prevail in spiritual warfare through prayer and intercession. Oh man, Brandon's being hard today. We talked about evangelism. We talked about prayer. The stuff no one really wants to do most of the time. But when you look in the book of Acts, that is like the number one thing they do. They love it. There's a, a love for it. We prevail in spiritual warfare through prayer and intercession. 2 Corinthians 10 talks about how our weapons are not carnal, but they're what? They're mighty. That's the word powerful. When you think about your prayer life, would you say my prayer life is powerful in God to where I'm pulling down strongholds, I'm casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? Is that how you would describe your prayer life, church? I'm asking myself the same question because that's how we should describe it. That we come to a prayer meeting and there's actually real power in the prayer meeting and we actually accomplish something. Where we actually leave the prayer meeting more filled up than when we first got in. That's what happened in the book of Acts. They would pray, the building was shaken, and it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. When's the last time we prayed and we felt we were filled with the Holy Spirit afresh at the end? Do you now see your need for the Holy Spirit and power? If you do, can you, can you nod your head? We need the Holy Spirit and power afresh on this church. So what do we do? Turn with me to Luke 11. Thank you, God, that the answer is very simple. The solution is very simple. Luke 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask. Just stop right there. I say to you, ask. That word ask is not a one-time asking. It means to keep on asking. I say to you, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking, and it will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives. And he who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. God is telling us what our part is. Persistent Determined asking. The month of May, 
I want to call you into this. This is what I'm doing. The month of May is a time of extravagant asking. Asking afresh for the Holy Spirit and power. Verse 11. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? The answer is obvious, no. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Church, God is gracious. He is so willing to help us. When we look at our failures, when it comes to sharing the gospel, proclaiming his word boldly, to praying in power, and we, those five things, when we see like, Lord, I'm failing in all of those five categories, beloved, he is gracious. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So God said, if you do your part and you persistently ask and you determine yourself to do that, he's saying, I will be gracious. I'll be extravagant in my giving to you. Five ways we're going to prepare for the promise of Holy Spirit power. One, we're going to ask. We have to begin to ask. If we don't ask, he won't give. Two, we must believe. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit and power is for you? For real. Like when you read the book of Acts, do you believe with all of your heart, that's the life I'm supposed to live? Or do you think, oh, that's just the elders, that's just the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, that's just those who have been to, they've been to a school and got a four-year degree, they got a master's in theology, like that is for them. One of my favorite verses in the book of Acts, we read it earlier, the religious leaders saw they were untrained, uneducated men. You know what that means? You're all qualified. If that verse wasn't in the book of Acts, we'd all be in trouble. <laughs> Do you believe it? Do we believe? I feel like for me, if I'm being honest with you, there's, a, there's, there's some unbelief that I'm trying to deal with in my heart about this. The Holy Spirit and power. Not my idea of what I think that looks like. What I read in this book, I see the Holy Spirit and power and I'm like, God, Really? For real. So I got to get some unbelief out of my heart. Three, we wait. We know Isaiah 40, those who wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their what? We have to wait. Number four, we receive. We can't, we, can't, we can't earn this. We can't earn it. We can position ourselves. Dave was saying it earlier. He didn't know I was, I was going in this direction. 
We can position ourselves. We can't earn it. But we need to receive it. Jesus said, you will receive power. He didn't say you'd have to work for it for a couple of months and then you'd get it. No, you'll receive power if you wait. But many of us don't want to wait. I mean, how long are we willing to wait for this? The Lord told you, I want you to show up in the place of prayer for the next 30 days, and I want you to be quiet for 10 minutes every single day. Would you be willing to wait for the Lord? Some of us, we'd quit halfway because we get bored. It's boring. I ain't got time. It's wait. We have to wait, church. And here's the fifth one we're throwing in there because we're about to step into some of this. We fast. You know, some stuff only comes out by fasting. We fast. And I'm with, I'm with Dave and Barry. I'm like the, old, like the old school fast where it's like, we don't do like smoothies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, you know, right? I've done that fast before, but like, we got to draw the line somewhere. That's not the real kind of fast. If you got medical, you know, conditions and all that stuff, that's fine. That's great. Or if you're pregnant, that means she'd be cooking all the good food at home, and I'm over here fasting, just struggling. <laughs> so Dave, Barry, and I, we had a meeting with the prayer team on Wednesday, and we're all of us we're realizing man there's there's sickness there's people who need healing who need breakthrough in this body and we have not seen it yet and here's the thing we've laid hands on them we've been praying for them and guess what nothing's happened so we, I want to call you, we want to call you to fast with us May 16th, 17th, and 18th. That's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And the following Sunday, that's May 22nd, we're going to pray for healing and the power of God to break out in this body. We're serious about this. I'm serious about this. But the message today was primarily to set us on a path to realize, God, I don't see your power in my life. And where you, not me, you ask. You contend. You get on your knees. And you ask God to, to pour out his spirit upon you in fresh. And that power would come upon you. His power is just not something you sit and you experience and like, oh, that was great. No, his power is unto something. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to just sit at home and hang out and have a good time. No, no, no. To preach good news, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open up the prison door to those who are bound. So this is risky. If we're asking for God's power, that means we actually got to do something. We actually got to pray for people, lay hands on people. We got to confront people with the truth of the gospel. It's risky business.
come. Lisa, you want to come up and just play for a moment? So I want to, for the next few minutes, it's only 12 o'clock, y'all, we good, we still got a few minutes. I want us for the next few minutes to begin to pray corporately and just, we're going to start today. Today's May 1st. We're starting today. Lord, we ask for the Holy Spirit and power. You told us to ask, and we are going to ask. We're going to start there. Very simple, very elementary. I'm not asking you to do cartwheels. I'm not asking you to, to sow a seed. I'm not asking for your money. I'm not asking for any. I'm just asking you to ask. So if you want to stand, you want to come to the altar, if you're realizing, Lord, I need the Holy Spirit afresh and power in my life. I don't see it. I haven't experienced it in a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Maybe some of you have never experienced it. But starting today, May 1st, we're asking God to pour out his spirit and power afresh upon us. If we need to cry out, if we need to make consecrate ourselves, set ourselves apart, whatever we have to do, but we, it starts with asking, church. We're not going to earn our way into this. We're not going to do anything. We're going to ask. We're going to believe God. He's going to get rid of unbelief. He's going to get rid of complacency. He's going to do his work in us. But it starts with you and I asking. God, I'm asking right now in the name of Jesus that you would pour out your spirit and power afresh upon us. Come on, you ask with me. We ask, oh God. We ask. 